0: are you listening to this right now maybe at your home maybe the doors are locked maybe you're by yourself or maybe you're not could it be someone's watching welcome to ain't it scary with sean and carrie (laughs) i'm the titular sean
1: and i'm the very titular carrie
0: and in this show, we dive and we dig into, uh, we, what, everything spooky, scary, unsolved, unexplained, and um, we're gonna try to find some answers. hmm So, uh, Caroline, why don't you, uh, what was that spooky intro of mine all about? Why don't you give the, uh, give the listener a, a look at what we're talking about today?
1: Well, I'm not sure what the spooky intro is all about. Uh, I found it a little sexy, to be honest. Um, but... Biased audience. <laughs> I actually want to start off with a question, Sean.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, shoot.
1: Have you ever had a secret admirer?
0: Have I ever had a secret admirer? hmm Um, I don't... You know what? It's possible, but if I have, they were so secret.
1: that <laughs> Even you didn't
0: know they about They didn't it. make themselves known, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well... I don't know if it was just me but as a kid i remember like really wanting a secret admirer like it was so exciting the thought
0: of it now were you ever a secret admirer were you ever on the other side sending someone little secret notes
1: probably i don't remember doing that but that's the kind of like bullshit little me would pull um I don't know if I was just like influenced by Babysitter's Club books or something, <laughs> but it seemed so cool and so romantic and mysterious.
0: Is is that a big plot element of Babysitter's Club's I books? I think
1: there's literally one that's like, I don't know, Christie and the Secret Admirer or whatever. Like, it's all about that.
0: Um, does it get as sinister as the story of The Watcher?
1: A Spoiler alert. No, I don't think it does okay. because they were like children. So that would be very disturbing. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But no, no, not many things get as sinister as the story of The Watcher, which, thank you for the segue, Sean, is what we are going to be discussing today. So on this episode, I'll be taking the reins the whole time to tell an ooky spooky story about an unknown writer.
0: I know. And I can't wait.
1: (laughs) Uh, so this story has kind of a smaller scope. So it's not Jack the Ripper, the Zodiac. I know that sounds very exciting. We will deep dive into those assholes sometime. Uh-huh. This is a less well-known story, um, but it's still very sinister and very, very weird. Love it. So this, uh, this story is about the Watcher, as you said. Um this isn't a like Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer situation kind of watcher. Like he's not like a like a fuddy duddy daddy or whatever. It's more like ew, who's that weirdo looking in our window?
0: Yeah, no, I loved the video game, The Watcher Three. I played it for <laughs> uh, hundreds of hours.
1: Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. So this—that's the the kind of uh, name that this guy gave himself or girl. You know, we're equal opportunity here.
0: Oh, so this person referred to themselves as the Watcher.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Um. So we'll be mainly referencing an excellent article by Reeves Wideman in the Cut, called "The Haunting of a Dream House." So credit where credit's due because. Weidman really details the case with the intensity of, like, a thrilling page-turner. So y- every every discussion of this case, it starts with that article. Awesome. So the case of The Watcher begins like this. <laughs> Derek and Maria Broaddus moved into their new home in Westfield, New Jersey.
0: Broadus, These are the parents of Calvin Broadus, one presumes? Snoop Dogg?
1: Yeah, sure. No. Not at all. <laughs> what, what year is this? This was around 2014. Oh, this is recent. Mm-hmm. Which um, was another reason I found it very interesting. So they moved into their new home in Westfield, New Jersey, ready to tackle some renovations.
0: Now, Westfield, New Jersey, I, I have cousins. We have cousins who live in Jersey, mm-hmm. in Westfield specifically.
1: In that town. And they heard about this when it was going on. So we might have... Uh, A little comment from them coming as well. Uh, So Maria had grown up in Westfield a few blocks away from their new home. And she always wanted to raise her family in the town, which is why they decided to settle down there. Uh, Westfield was recently ranked among the top 100 wealthiest towns in America. So it's pretty bougie with its uh, 30,000 residents, mostly consisting of well-to-do families with many parents working in nearby New York City.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So Derek Broaddus had turned 40 recently and gotten a promotion, and the Broaduses dropped like a swanky $1.3 million Ooh. on this house that you know, we're going to find out later probably should have had a discount <laughs> attached to it. Uh-oh. Yeah. So by June 2014, they hadn't moved in yet, but they had started some renovations to get, the house ready for them to Uh, so Derek was in the house when an envelope addressed to quote the new owner was dropped off in the mail the note claimed as follows according to a lawsuit that we'll discuss later okay this is directly from the note dearest new neighbor at 657 boulevard that's the address allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood oh
0: okay no this is friendly
1: okay 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 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now and as it approaches its 110th birthday I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. Sorry what? (laughs) My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out.
0: Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. It went on to identify the family's Honda minivan, and mention the renovations of the home that they were currently completing, saying, "Now that they have to flaunt it, they pay the price." Tisk tisk tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy.
0: That's the address of the house.
1: Yeah. I love characterizing inanimate objects with emotions. That's not creepy at all.
0: <laughs> um, maybe the letters from the house. Maybe. But it's being very passive aggressive.
1: Let's see what else they wrote. Okay. So there were also references to the Broaddus's kids. mmm uh saying, uh, you have children, I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. Are there more on the way? Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me.
0: Oh my God. That's not all.
1: Uh, who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out of the many windows in 657 Boulevard at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. The Watcher.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you can just, it'd be one thing to just leave a note saying, get out of the house. I'm going to kill your family. Mm -hmm. This person has taken uh, the extra step of putting a coat of like very, very scary, creepy paint on it.
1: Yeah, it's like vaguely threatening, but you can't really pin down what's threatening about it.
0: Yeah, well, it's that uh, he's going to call to your children. uh, Something about young blood. Young blood. It's very upsetting. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So the family hadn't even moved in yet, and they're already getting like the worst kind of junk mail you could possibly think of.
0: Yet. So after this, they did move in.
1: Well, so they were still working on the renovations. So it wasn't like they were going to move in the next day. Now, Derek, uh, the the patriarch of this family, you know, receives this letter after 10 p.m. alone in the house and promptly turned off all the lights and called the Westfield Police Department because he was understandably very shook by Mm -hmm. this whole thing. Uh, So the dispatched officer responded to the letter with, what the fuck is this? Which honestly is is the appropriate reaction. Is
0: that a direct quote? Yes. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. He also told Derek to get some construction equipment off the porch so the watcher couldn't toss it through the window. That's comforting.
0: Yeah, interesting. Although, if you want something to toss through a window.
1: I mean, you could bring it, right? But I guess it's easier if you don't have to, like, BYO.
0: BYO construction
1: equipment? Yes. or You know, Boulder or whatever. (laughs) So that night, Derek went back to their old home where Maria and the kids were packing up, and he told her about the letter.
0: So You don't want to hide that one.
1: No, and I'm glad he didn't. Um, that would be like a classic movie thing, like a horror movie thing of, oh, I won't I tell to wife. I don't want to worry her. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad he told her.
0: Mm-hmm. So so if I ever get a, a letter like this.
1: You are absolutely telling me. Okay.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, So after that they immediately emailed John and Andrea Woods The previous owners who sold them the house And I imagine the email Read something like What the fuck is this Uh, But essentially It asked if they had any clue Who the watcher was Or if they'd Written the letter maybe Because it included The words I asked the Woods to bring me young blood And it looks like they listened so they just really wanted to get to the bottom of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. The woods?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's like a, a surrounding forest. I don't know if it's James Woods. I think both options <laughs> are equally
0: unsettling. Yeah. He could be involved here. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: So Andrea, the one of the people that sold them the house, she replied the next day saying that they had never experienced anything like that in their 23 years living at 657 Boulevard. But they had received a letter signed the Watcher a few days before they moved out. I'm sorry, what? They had also received a letter. Uh, They just hadn't received it more than a few days before they moved out. So they didn't decide to mention that little detail.
0: Well, what did that letter say?
1: (sighs) I'm not exactly sure. I don't know if it was as threatening, but they had never gotten anything like it before. So they just threw it out and thought that was that. But it wasn't.
0: <laughs> Clearly. It still wasn't?
1: No. Uh, that day Maria brought us went to, with the Woodses to the police station where they were advised not to tell anyone about the letters because literally all their new neighbors were now suspects. Welcome to the boulevard, I guess.
0: Yeah, really.
1: Yeah, so Derek and Maria understandably spent the next weeks jumping at everything. Um Maria wouldn't let the kids out of her sight without calling out to them. Derek freaked out when a neighborhood woman taking a tour of the renovations, which, like, is that a thing? Like, you're renovating a house and (laughs) just random people come in? I don't know. But apparently in Westfield it is. She said to him, it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood.
0: I'm sorry, what? (laughs) That's not, like, a normal thing to say. No. It's so specific.
1: It's specific, but it's, like, also, okay, young blood, like, is a phrase. Yeah. But it's kind of a thing where are, is everyone around gaslighting me? Like, am I going crazy?
0: Oh, a hot fuzz, uh, mm-hmm. the greater good yes. situation.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and at that point, they still hadn't moved in because of all of this. Two weeks after the first letter, Maria saw a familiar thick black writing now addressed to Mr. and Mrs. Bradis, not Braddis. Mm-hmm on a piece of mail and immediately call the police, uh, presumably before even opening it. Misspelled. Mm-hmm.
0: But it, it, oh, and the first time they didn't write the name, the first time they just said our new neighbors.
1: I think that was it. Yeah.
0: Um, don't serial killers sometimes, this isn't a serial killer yet. Um, <laughs> don't serial killers sometimes like misspell stuff on purpose.
1: I think or, so. Yeah. yeah. So the new letter continued in the creepiness I read, Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time they will. I am pleased to know your names now and the names of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. So presumably because she had been calling out for them constantly. The children. Yeah, in fear of some creep stealing them or, you know, whatever. So the watcher went on to correctly identify the three children by name and birth order. Asking after one of the broadest's daughters by saying, is she the artist in the family? Because apparently the watcher had seen her using an easel, but the easel area was inside in an enclosed porch hidden from the street by vegetation
0: no windows that you could see through
1: I think you can't see it from the street but maybe from a different vantage point you can like possibly a surrounding house
0: interesting mm-hmm.
1: so the rest of the, wa- uh, the letter went as follows 657 boulevard is anxious for you to move in it has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement, or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic, or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the best bedrooms facing the street?' I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. Wow. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Braddus family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the last three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching.
0: A lot of references to greed. Greed, blood. Watching. <laughs> well, all the stuff about the blood, the young blood, the children—the children will stay. The stuff about the basement um, reminds me of *The Haunting of Hill House*.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. so
0: much with like the house just wanting the 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 people, especially the kids, to stay there mm-hmm. forever.
1: Yeah. And because of those direct mentions of the kids, the Broadduses stopped bringing them over to the house while they were renovating.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Plans to move in were put on hold. And a few weeks later, a third letter asked them, where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. Like, bitch, try and avoid you. <laughs>
0: it's, it's so weird that the, it always says 657 Boulevard and it drops the street name.
1: Yeah, it's it's like this weird thing where they're the watcher, but they're also the house, or they're talking about what the house wants.
0: Like they're connected to the house, like they're serving the house's needs.
1: Yeah, almost like a weird...
0: You're just going to have to push through. It's okay. <laughs> the dog's going to make it onto these recordings.
1: Like a weird Dracula Renfield sort of thing. Yes. I don't know. But that's kind of the vibe I'm getting.
0: to win an exclusive merchandise package from evergreen podcasts, head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show.
1: Um. So there were a few clues aside from these creepy letters. Why hasn't anyone written this movie yet?
0: Oh, we'll get there.
1: Okay, we'll get there. Yeah. There were a few clues, but there were some. The letters, when they were processed through the mail, were processed in Kearney, which is the U.S. Postal Service's distribution center in northern New Jersey. The postmark from the first letter was June 4th, which was the day before the sale was public, because the Woodses had never put up a first sale sign. Okay. So I don't think it was like a Zillow situation where you just know that it's on sale. And it was also postmarked just a day after contractors arrived to start renovations. So Derek began to suspect the Langford family who lived next door. Uh, He thought maybe they had something to do with it. Mm -hmm. So Peggy Langford was in her 90s and several of her children, all in their 60s, still lived with her. Hmm. So they were odd, but apparently harmless. One of the sons, Michael, didn't work and was described as kind of a Boo Radley character. Interesting. From To Kill a Mockingbird. Yep, yep. And we all know what happened to Boo Radley in To Kill a Mockingbird, so I don't want to give that theory like so much credence mm-hmm. and then bring down this guy. But Michael was interviewed by police like right after the first letter arrived. He denied any knowledge. Uh, the detective on the case told the Broadduses basically that he thought it was likely Michael. However, there wasn't any hard evidence and the police chief told the Broadduses there was nothing else they could do at that point.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. What's Michael's motive? He just doesn't like new people?
1: Uh, he's, he's weird. Like That's basically it, is that he's just like a neighborhood character.
0: Neighborhood kook. Neighborhood
1: boo-radley. Always fun to have. All right, so a local kook. Mm -hmm.
0: Is there more? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) So at that point, the Broadduses began their own investigation, uh, with Derek becoming especially obsessed with it. He set up webcams in the house. And literally spent nights crouched in the dark waiting to see if he could spot anyone watching the house at close range.
0: Crouched in the dark, Mm -hmm. like Mm Spider-Man.
1: Yeah. He made a a map marking when each of 657's neighbors had moved in, with the Langfords being the only ones there since the 1960s. Now, remember, they had referenced the father watching in the 60s, so he figured that could correlate with that. And he had overlays on this map, highlighting possible sight lines for his daughter's easel and a circle for approximate range of earshot. So he was like, he was like that gif of Charlie from It's Always Sunny. With, oh, yeah, like all...
0: with all, the, uh, all the yarn and the uh, yes. uh, thumbtacks. Mm-hmm.
1: So he wanted to estimate who might have heard Maria yelling their kids' names. So he, he tried to figure out how, like... I'm just imagining him walking down the street, like calling back and seeing, you know, if Maria could hear from the house from different
0: yeah, <laughs> areas it, along the boulevard. And the uh, I'm picturing him in, in a mostly empty house. They're, they've stopped moving furniture in and mm-hmm. he's just sitting in a corner, chalk formulas written all over the walls, mm-hmm. um, maps and yarn and thumbtacks and uh, and just cackling to himself.
1: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's how I imagine it. So, once he made this map, he put on all those overlays. Only a few homes fit both criteria. Okay. The Broadis has also employed a private investigator and reached out to multiple former FBI agents for their professional opinions.
0: They just know a bunch of former FBI agents?
1: I don't know. Like, I don't know what you Google for that. Maybe there are FBI agents that are, like, freelancing as investigators now. I'm not sure how it works. Um but they did find some. <laughs> but despite all that, their focus still remained on the Langfords. Uh, in cooperation with the Westfield police, the Broadses sent a letter to the Langfords announcing plans to tear down the house, hoping to prompt a response. Basically, like, to egg them on, you know, if one of them was your writing.
0: Precious to house is going to get knocked down.
1: Mm-hmm. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Well, there was no response.
0: We're your workers. <laughs> all three of us.
1: Pretty much Uh, Eventually they hired Lawyer Lee Levitt, Who met with several members of the Langford family Along with their attorney To show them the letters Along with photos explaining how their house Was one of the few vantage points From which the children's easel could be seen As noted on Derek's map which I'm sure was a totally normal thing to bring to the, the police station.
0: Well, no, but this is Derek's vindication. This is the family has been, the, the, the family won't even look at him anymore. Look at the map! Look at the map! He hasn't showered in three weeks, and mm-hmm. finally, vindication for Derek.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the meeting grew tense, as you could expect. Mm-hmm. And the Langfords insisted Michael was innocent. There was DNA discovered on one of the envelopes. Hey. Now that was tested and found to belong to a woman or a female. However, when tested against major suspects or players in the whole investigation like Maria Broaddus herself mm-hmm. or Abby Langford, who is Michael's sister, who I think was also in her late 50s or 60s, uh, no match was found. So none of the the women involved in any way were tested to be a match. Now this could have just been someone at the post office or their say, the, the, like their mail person or
0: whatever. Yeah, this was handled by a by a, a letter carrier and it's not like there was a pandemic happening then. The the mail yeah. the mailman or mailwoman, I guess, probably just held the envelope with a bare hand, right?
1: Yeah, and I, I'm sure they tested the obvious places like the envelope seal and the stamp to see if there was any saliva DNA and maybe they were trying that, but it, you know, DNA can come from anywhere. It's kind of like the DNA in the John Bernay Ramsey case, which we'll talk about sometime in the future.
0: Yeah. That's so, an uplifting story.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. So uplifting. Uh, so after the DNA and accusing the Langfords and everything, there was still the whole rest of the neighborhood to consider. The broadest yeah, well,
0: at this point, are they treating the Langfords as not suspects anymore?
1: I think the police are, or at least it's kind of like, well, if they're doing it, like we have no proof of that,
0: right? They've been cleared,
1: yeah. So they kind of have to broaden their horizons, so to speak, even if the broadest is still thinking, oh, it's probably them,
0: broadest their horizons.
1: <laughs> so the PI found two child sex offenders living within a few blocks. So. Okay. The family's house painter had also noticed something strange during the renovations. Tell me. The couple behind 657 Boulevard kept their lawn chairs weirdly close to the Broaddus' property. He stated that once when he was looking out the window, an older man was sitting in one of the chairs facing 657 Boulevard and not his own house.
0: I mean, that's weird. Well,
1: uh, I was thinking about this, and I don't know how suspicious I find this. Like, maybe that's the direction the sun comes from to shine down. And he's, like, working on his base tan, you know? Like, he's not going to...
0: He could be. uh, Absolutely.
1: But it's... Or it's it's the opposite direction. He's reading a book or something. But it's a little weird. You've had... It's weird, but, like, explainable.
0: But, like, if your backyard is adjacent, like, this is the family that lives behind you... Mm Mm-hmm. And their Adirondack chairs are like real close to the property line Listen, and facing I your yard. Do that is it. strange.
1: I wouldn't do it. But we were we were like friends with our neighbors, and they would have a couple of Adirondack chairs there, and it wasn't close to our property line, but it faced our direction because that's where the sun shines.
0: Did you put a little fire, a little fire pit on the property line? You both reach across and <laughs> toast your marshmallows. I wish
1: we had a fence, but so I, I, I don't know how weird I find that. Like it's, I wouldn't do it. But it's explainable pretty easily.
0: Yeah, it's um, it could be innocent, and it's definitely something you would notice if once you were looking for a pattern.
1: Right, and there's a lot of those things in this case. So by late 2014, the investigation was at a complete standstill. The watcher had left no digital trail, no fingerprints, um, no identifiable DNA. There was nothing substantial aside from creepy letters and a northern New Jersey postmark. But the family couldn't in good conscience move in after everything that had happened uh, and subject no. their family to, like, possible real threat. So they tried to sell the home. Easy peasy, right?
0: I want to know what's in the walls. <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, obviously. Me too. So they, they, they put the home for sale. Nothing panned out. In June 2015, they filed a legal complaint against the original owners, the Woodses, arguing that the Woodses should have disclosed the letter just as they had the fact that water sometimes got in the basement, you know.
0: Well, but that was after the sale, right?
1: I think it was after the sale, like right before they were going to move in, but they're they're arguing that they should have told them anyway. Well,
0: in Jersey, you have to disclose you have to disclose if somebody died in your home, right?
1: I believe so.
0: Here's a question. If you sold the home and then somebody was murdered after the closing, do you then have to tell the, the buyer about that?
1: Presumably the buyer would hear about that. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah the they probably would. But it, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's like a legal loophole. A legal loophole. <laughs> oh, great. I don't have to tell them about this murder.
0: Fab. If you're, you're going to do any home murders, do it after you sell the house. <laughs>
1: Pro tip for maiden mm-hmm. Scary. Mm-hmm. And then they cannot
0: prosecute.
1: That's that's not real legal advice.
0: Don't listen to us. I don't think they can prosecute.
1: Anyway. <laughs> uh, a neighbor told The Cut that after the news broke, she and 10 or so of her neighbors had gathered into the street to puzzle out who might have sent the letters, which is a weird thing to do. Yeah, repeat that? <laughs> so the journalist writing this article, Reeves mm-hmm. Weidman. Yes. A neighbor told... Reeves that, after the news broke, presumably of the letters, she and ten or so of her neighbors had gathered in the street to buzzle out who might have sent the letters.
0: Gathered in the street.
1: Yeah, like COVID style.
0: I was gonna say that sounds like like what happened this month. Yeah, Yeah, well, okay. It's a weird thing to do in the
1: street, like
0: six feet apart, wearing masks. Uh, maybe they
1: were trying to figure out, kind of like Derek was, the vantage points of everything.
0: Looking around, like, yeah. how could you have seen into that window? But
1: imagine you're Derek and you look out the window and there's ten people just, like, huddled in the streets looking back and forth at your house. Hey, I, you I... feel like you're in hot fuzz.
0: Yeah, angry mob is, the angry <laughs> mob is finally descending with their torches. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's... they're going to get Boo Radley.
1: <sighs> yeah, maybe, but that's not the consensus they came to. She said that... They all came to the consensus the Broadduses had sent the letters to themselves.
0: Wow. Inside job. That's
1: that's what they thought. That's what the neighborhood watch, you know, street gang thought.
0: Um, let's get into it. Why did they why, what's their what's their case?
1: Well, the possibilities as to why they would do such a thing varied. Maybe they suffered buyer's remorse, or they realized they couldn't afford the home and uh, concocted a bizarre scheme to get out of the sale. Or Derek Broaddus was generating some kind of insurance fraud, or they were angling for a sweet movie deal.
0: Well, it is interesting. The Woodses never got a letter until after they'd sold this house to the Broaddus's.
1: Yes, and... Again, I didn't dive too deep into this, but there was some weird speculation on how they afforded the house because their previous houses were a lot less, um, like, money-wise.
0: Well, but he had just gotten a raise or something. He got a
1: raise. Also, like, people save up money to get their dream house or whatever. Like, this is where we're going to stay for the rest of our lives. So I don't put too much into that. And as, as far as doing this to get a movie deal, like, that is really out there. Did it There's work? There's no guarantee. It, it worked, but...
0: <laughs> um, What's the movie deal? It's
1: not guaranteed. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But to, to do all of this for that reason is is a big swing.
0: No, I, I think the movie deal, if they did it themselves, I think the movie deal is a bonus. On top of you're hoping for some kind of, uh, I I don't know. How do you run that insurance scam?
1: I don't know. I don't know how an insurance, like, you don't have insurance on your
0: homes for hauntings or cultists. Yeah, creepy letters. Like,
1: what kind of scam would that be? Uh, Besides that, they didn't want to uproot their kids either because they had already started school in the area Mm -hmm. because they were expecting to move in. So the Broaddus used an LLC to secretly buy property elsewhere in Westfield, because they still didn't want to live at the Boulevard House without this being resolved. Right. And even back on the market, there were no buyers once interested parties read the Watcher letters. So they were at least being decent and showing them what the deal was. Right. But it didn't really work in their favor to do that.
0: So who owns the house now? Did they ever sell it?
1: We're getting to that. Okay. So once they tried to sell it for a long time, it didn't work out. Their real estate lawyer proposed an idea, which was to sell the house to a developer to tear it down and split the property into two lots for two sellable homes. Okay. So like they figured a developer would be more likely to buy the the space because they're not living there.
0: Big love. And then it's it two half. different
1: homes. There's no like creepy six fifty
0: seven Boulevard situation you going. Throw up two McMansions.
1: hmm Now, despite six fifty seven Boulevard being one of the neighborhood's largest lots, dividing it in two would require the Westfield Planning Board to grant an exception the two smaller lots would be 67.4 and 67.6 feet wide. Now, the mandate for a lot size is 70 feet.
0: Ooh, now we get into the true horror, zoning regulations.
1: Right. They figured barely a yard on either side would not be an issue, right? No. Wrong planning board met to decide the application in january 2017 with a whopping three-hour hearing on the issue sounds like complete torture
0: this is for this one to resolve this one house uh, easement mm-hmm. issue okay
1: now because rich people have nothing to do more than a hundred local residents showed up to the hearing wow yes
0: it, it, presumably because the watcher thing had gotten so much publicity
1: yeah and also these just grumpy people, hoa people each people have nothing to do <laughs> so they're like yeah let's go protest something that we have nothing to do with one neighbor who lived across the street from 657 boulevard and had a daughter in the same grade as one of the broadest kids literally retained a lawyer to fight the proposal wow so you think this person would have some sort of sympathy because they have a child as well no fuck you lawyer the broadest's attorney displayed a map of the neighborhood. I, God, I fucking hope it was Derek's map. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Look at this crazy man. Look at what you've done to him. Uh, th- he displayed a map of the neighborhood and it's argued. In,
0: it's in crayon or, or maybe those like smelly markers that smell <laughs> there's like There's a lot of red coconut. string
1: connecting <laughs> things. <laughs> so he, he argued that this map showed several existing lots on the block that were also smaller than the 70-foot mandate but had been approved already exist. So like there's precedent for approving it. The area residents countered that they needed to make a stand about this one because quote, our neighborhoods are constantly under attack from turf lights, parking decks, you name it. (sighs) Turf.
0: Yeah. Turf is a turf is a big one. That's weird.
1: Well, Abby Langford, who you may remember as having been DNA tested and being a member of the suspected Langford family, stood up to say that she had spent almost 60 years looking at a magnificent, beautiful house and didn't, quote, want to be looking at it a driveway.
0: Interesting. So the Langfords have a specific interest. They love looking at this old house.
1: You could say they love watching
0: it. The Langfords are still... <laughs> Serving the house.
1: Yes, uh, the focus of the hearing and of the residents was on what the Broadduses stood to gain financially from this sale, okay. proposed sale, and what the neighborhood might lose. Now, that night, the board unanimous, unanimously rejected the proposal.
0: Can't knock it down. No.
1: Can't knock it down, can't divide it into two lots.
0: Wait, they'd be allowed to knock it down if they wanted, right?
1: Not for two houses, but right. yeah, like just to build a new house, but you're still at 657 Boulevard. Oh. The has later appealed that decision, but a New Jersey judge denied their appeal. Maria Broaddus lamented, quote, I grew up in Westfield. I came back. I chose to raise my kids here. You know what we've been through. You had the ability two and a half years into a nightmare to make it a little better. I think she's addressing this to the the neighborhood residents. Mm -hmm. And you have decided that this house is more important than we are. That's really how it felt. So that sucks.
0: Yep. Well, they've known the house longer, Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Soon after that, the family received a bit of good news. A family with grown children and two big dogs agreed to rent Six Fifty Seven Boulevard, with a clause in the lease that let them out in case of another letter. <laughs> That's fair. A couple weeks after the family began renting, Derek went to the house to complete standard landlord duties, and promptly was handed an envelope that had just arrived. The letter inside began. No. Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. Wow. Hitting below the belt.
0: I think it's Mike Langford. Very subtle stuff. Th- this sounds like Mike Langford to me. <laughs> Your old friend? Yeah, absolutely.
1: The letter was dated the same day the Broadduses gave depositions in their lawsuit against the Woodses. So that's an interesting little fact. It mentioned their investigative efforts... Media coverage, renting out the home, and attempt to turn the house into two lots, among other things. uh, A disturbing segment of the letter seemed to threaten the family, which all the letters seem to threaten the family, right? But that read, uh, maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seaton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth. Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South, please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. So I think the washer is saying, like, they can make their plane crash?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like... I mean, he's got an in at the FAA. Apparently. Um. So, So did the renters break their lease then?
1: They were understandably spooked. But they agreed to stay if the Broadduses installed cameras around the house.
0: No way. Well, we know there's already cameras. Uh, I
1: think it's they were cameras in the house, but now there are also security cameras outside.
0: Yeah, Derek's got like a, uh, a panic room control center in the middle of this house that's just yeah. oh, monitors all around.
1: Yeah, they are, they also had to agree to Derek crouching in the dark constantly. <laughs> The is also returned to the police with the new evidence. Uh, a detective looked at a neighborhood map, I again, hoping it's Derek's map, and traced a circle around the house, 300 yards in diameter, suggesting the watcher must be somewhere in that area. So that narrowed it down to about 10 surrounding homes, but nothing more came of it, even with the threats that were on paper. On Christmas Eve 2017, several families on and around the boulevard received envelopes in their mailboxes. Now get ready for a
0: twist. Uh, oh.
1: These were the houses of those that had been the most vocal in criticizing the Broadduses online and did not bear any postmarks.
0: I'm seeing where we are on time. <laughs> Continue.
1: One of the recipients notably had written publicly on Facebook. I wish we could go back to the days of tar and feathers. I have just the couple in mind, referring to the Broadus's.
0: Yeah, that's what? charming. This entire community hates these people.
1: Mm-hmm. For having like the audacity
0: to move in. It's
1: just the audacity. They're audacious. I guess. I don't know. I <laughs> it's genuinely just, don't know. It, like if it was me, I'd be like, "These poor people. Let's help them out." It's just something about their
0: their broadestness that we don't like.
1: Too broad. Families stated that the letters accused the families of wrongly speculating about the Broadduses and included stories about recent acts of domestic terrorism in which signs of mental illness had gone unnoticed. The typed letters were signed, friends of the Broaddus family.
0: Hmm.
1: When the cut journalist Reeves Weideman asked Derek Broaddus whether he had written these new letters...
0: The letters defending the Broadest family.
1: Yeah, from the friends of the Broadest family. He admitted he had. Those letters. Yes. As Wideman wrote, he wasn't proud of it. He hadn't even told his wife. Uh, and said they were the only anonymous letters he'd written. But this doesn't look great because people were already thinking they sent the watcher letters to themselves. Right. Now they actually sent these creepy letters out.
0: Not to themselves, though.
1: <laughs> no. From themselves. But this new bit of information, it it turned Boulevard residents and beyond even more against the Broaddus family. Because People who we weren't against them were now.
0: Now we know you send letters and lie about it. Yeah.
1: So it seemingly confirmed that there was a strong possibility Derek had manufactured the entire affair. To what end? Again, that's the question. Why? Why would they have done it to themselves?
0: They didn't profit off this, it doesn't seem. Well, I guess we haven't gotten to the end of the story yet.
1: Right. So the Cut article was released in November 2018, mm-hmm. and it like really blew up. In an episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved, a favorite show of mine, host Ryan Bergara argued that some support for the Broaddus' assertion that they never sent the real Watcher letters lies in the fact that in a later investigation, it was discovered that another family had received a letter from the Watcher around the time the Broaddus' received their first.
0: Whoa. Where?
1: Uh, I think it was just a a neighborhood family. They didn't have like specific details and I couldn't find it.
0: So another family in in this neighborhood had received a watcher letter. Mm -hmm. At another house?
1: Yes. But like with the original owners uh, of 657 Boulevard, the woods is, this family had already lived at their home for years with no issues and just threw the letter away. Hmm. So it went a little differently there. Yeah, a little bit. Soon after the article's publication, Netflix snapped up the feature rights to the Broaddus' story. Oh. And to adapt the article itself for a cool seven figures.
0: That's seven figures for the journalist or for the the Broaddus family?
1: I think probably split between because it was like a a quote-unquote life rights thing plus the article specifically.
0: That's a nice thing. I'll take half a million dollars. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So for Netflix... Henry Joost and Ariel Schulman are attached to direct, which I find to be an interesting choice because their previous products include Paranormal Activity 3 and 4.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the 2010 documentary Catfish.
0: Oh, yeah. No, the, the, the way I think the way you do this right is you make it a horror story, right? It's not a it's not a movie about did these people send these letters to themselves Mm -hmm. no it's a movie it's a movie about a a cult in a new england town um i guess they're not in new england anyway
1: yeah i mean if they were hoaxing this entire situation to get a movie deal well they made it happen
0: it's hot fuzz (laughs) without the jokes um pretty much yeah but the house cost a million and a half right i think 1.3 yeah Well, so I don't know if it's worthwhile to make a seven-figure investment to get a seven-figure payday.
1: Well, That's the thing. That Uh, you split
0: with a journalist, I think?
1: In July 2019, the family finally sold the house, but it was at a $400,000 loss. So even if you made half a million from selling the rights to the story, you're still making a very small profit because of that loss.
0: Especially over the course of several years, and where this is a guy who I think is making a lot of money at his actual job anyway.
1: Yeah, or at least was. Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't know if the I don't know if it was worth the five years of of. of uh...
1: No, like I I don't think it makes sense. To no, do it's that. a five
0: year pain in the ass for this uh, for making a little money or maybe losing some.
1: Yeah, maybe a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, so I, I did some digging and I did find that there is a Twitter account for a Derek Bratis that purports to be run by the Derek Bratis in this story. And he posts often about the Watcher. I'm stalking, sure he does. DNA testing in crime and like other related topics. He is that is his passion, it is his crusade, and he posts about it a lot and politics and stuff.
0: So do you believe Derek?
1: Well, do I believe this account is him?
0: Do you believe that he didn't send the letters?
1: I I do believe that. I don't I can't imagine the convoluted scheme that you would think the this is a good idea to do.
0: Right, Un- unless it was just initially unless it was the buyer's remorse thing and then it just got away from them.
1: Right. That's, That's also the only a good way. movie.
0: That's also a good movie. Yeah.
1: The.
0: That's I, a good comedy. The, the the one where where the guy thinks he has a great plan and then and then he has to keep you but, know what is it the producers? No, I, I <laughs> technically I think it's season five of The Wire, which uh Spoiler alert. It's the weakest one.
1: <laughs> so in November twenty nineteen, this Twitter account posted quote one year ago, this article came out. Thanks for telling part of our story at reeves Weideman. We still have the female DNA. Still no arrest. Victims shouldn't have to beg cops to do their job. Still no correction slash apology.
0: Thanks for telling part of our story. A little bit of shade.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so it seems as though the Broaddus family no longer resides in Westfield, New Jersey, but the Watcher of 657 Boulevard has continued to reside in their collective psyche
0: and probably in the neighborhood if it wasn't yeah. if it wasn't uh derek brought us.
1: now what do you think after hearing all that that's that's about the end of the story as we have it right now what's i want your, to what's see your
0: theory well i want to see boo radley there, there wasn't enough information. Wait, in there. you want
1: to, you want to judge him based on his look? No, no, no. If, is he creepy
0: looking? No, no, no. I want to hear him talk. I want to, you know. There, there wasn't. An, they said he was a suspect, and they said he was kind of a weird character. But I want to see what that
1: that means.
0: Looks and sounds like. Yeah. Is he, is he constantly? making furtive, like, hand-shaking gestures at the family in the house? Well, I,
1: I think he was already kind of a character in the neighborhood.
0: Yeah, local kook.
1: Yeah, so like I said, I think it's very dangerous to kind of go down that road of judging someone based on just being eccentric or awkward or possibly ill in some way. Right. And no, being that... like, oh, they're weird. Like, they def- they did this.
0: Right, but I'd like to see him I'd like to see him speak in a straight line for 5 minutes without uh talking about outsiders coming in here or uh, you know, <laughs>
1: it's not Alabama or whatever.
0: Well, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I It's hard for me to judge Sure. who did it uh based on not knowing any of these people, but I do feel pretty secure in the idea that I don't think they did it to themselves initially. Now, do I think Derek should have sent those letters after? No, it really hurt his credibility and it was a stupid thing to do. Uh, yeah. But I, I genuinely don't think they started it. I don't, I don't know. know.
0: I don't know what their angle is. Again, unless... I, I do like the idea that Derek was like, you know what? I don't want to move into this house. Let me just send a couple letters to... That's uh
1: such a crazy scheme.
0: ...get out of it. And then he thinks that's going to just... Okay, we'll be able to reverse the sale because they, quote, didn't tell us about this stalker. Um... And then it it gets out of out of control, and now he has to keep writing these threatening letters to himself <laughs> for like years. It's so
1: crazy. It's a crazy thing to do, but people have done crazier, I guess.
0: Yeah, but I I know I think it's more likely that there is just a really grumpy neighbor. Um, well, everyone involved they crossed in
1: this... the line of really grumpy when, Every, everyone, when they made those weird threats about planes and.
0: Everyone involved in this story is white, right? There's no racial tension that comes into this. No, it, the broadasses weren't it's not yeah. like the we were a black family moving in and, and, and no were that is who are mad
1: that would have been like a, a completely different angle that I think that the cops would have certainly looked into in a different way but now it's just a bunch of white people being mad at white people as far as I know
0: I was still thinking of Snoop Dogg that's all
1: <laughs> we're always thinking of Snoop Dogg so
0: wow yeah I I think them I think there's probably a grumpy neighbor who doesn't like outsiders
1: and just talks like that <laughs> arrest that guy he's talking like that
0: no exactly yeah they, they should look for the one who's doing all the furtive handshaking at the house
1: <laughs> well until then uh this this is an unsolved case yeah very we don't know the the real answers
0: very interesting very creepy mm-hmm. um well thank you you're thank welcome. thank you caroline you're welcome i think we'll take a break and uh, come back with a little news
1: Wait, could it be? It's a me and my boo prime and punishment sequel. That's right, folks. We've got an update on the exciting story of Zach Bagans and the Tiger King. What? And just like in the documentary, current zoo owner Jeff Lowe managed to wriggle in there somehow. Apparently, since the paranormal investigation that recently attracted police investigation, thanks to the alerting cadaver dogs on the premises... Jeff Lowe gifted Ghost Adventures star Zach Bagans with a treasure trove of Tiger King super authentic merch, including Joe Exotic's own jeweled crown, (coughs) pill bottles, flashy clothing, wedding trinkets, Joe's very own penis pump, and the late Travis Maldonado's glass pipe. It seems that Zach will be displaying these items at his haunted museum in Las Vegas, So, genuinely, I still don't know why Ghost Adventures was investigating the zoo, nor why any of these items would be haunted. Unless it's a haunted penis pump.
0: Wow, here's the... Here's the meth pipe of a suicide victim.
1: And his lover's penis pump. Yeah. Dark. Dark, but maybe not haunted. I don't know. Maybe the haunted collector has to get in on this.
0: Yeah, let's give him a call.
1: (laughs) Your old friend. Mm -hmm. This week on the Prime side of Prime and Punishment, where we review something we recently streamed on Amazon Prime because Prime rhymes with crime and we watched way too much TV this week, Uh, we give the 1996 movie version of The Crucible a rent. Daniel Day-Lewis is as shattering as ever, and I found myself returning to Winona Ryder's performance as the young harlot Abigail Williams with more appreciation for her work. What'd you think, Sean?
0: Oh boy, she was big in this movie. She was real big. Uh, she was Winona Ryder, uh, and I loved it. Everyone else in the movie, um, I just felt like everyone was doing a different thing than Winona was, but I, I feel like that about Winona a lot. Um, hmm. But uh,
1: in a good way or a bad way? yes okay how'd you feel about ddl
0: he's the greatest he was the greatest and um, the goat yeah i was uh i was happy to see him hang but only because it was like he was doing what he want what it was right
1: spoiler alert
0: yeah the the uh, giles Corey more weight thing i thought would have more weight <laughs> <laughs> oh there was plenty of that uh it it felt a little like well, we just know we have to get this scene in here. Yeah, I,
1: it is kind of just inserted in there. But that's that's kind of the deal. Like he didn't hang with everyone else. It was it's always, you know, nineteen people died by hanging and one by stones, you know. Right. Um so and, yeah. So, so he's like, kind of always the outlier. But I know I know you love Giles Corey. Right. I know it's you my love favorite, his story. It's my
0: favorite part of that story. <laughs> uh, but it was interesting to me that like it's like arthur miller was just like well this is the best part of this story it doesn't really have to do with the rest of it but i have to have it in here um so i guess i have to just insert giles a couple times earlier uh being grumpy
1: yeah it's just such a famous part of the story but you know like i said even in the real life situation it was kind of this separate thing he wasn't even with his wife who was also hanged so right uh what would you give it out of five stars um
0: I think this is another four and a half. Uh, No, this, mm, it's tough. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, Nah, it's probably a four.
1: I'm going to go 3.5 just because it's one of my very favorite plays and I'm really grading it strictly, but um, I would definitely recommend it.
0: I could watch Daniel Day-Lewis paint a fence. And he'd probably
1: become a a professional fence painter just to paint the fence in the movie.
0: That's true. Hey, cast him in Tom Sawyer. He'd be great. (laughs)
1: gather round it's time for poe's cryptid corner (laughs) from our friends from around the way at news 12 westchester comes the strange tale of a reported bigfoot spotted in the hudson valley of new york bigfoot a bigfoot and in the hudson valley which is one of our favorite areas to travel right Absolutely. Um, On July 2nd, a supposed Bigfoot chased a woman in Hyde Park, jumping up in a tree above her and moving from tree to tree like an even hairier Tarzan. No word on how she escaped, but apparently she was able to do so since she later told her story to, quote, leading Hudson Valley Bigfoot researcher Gail Beatty. I would love to have that title. I want that title.
0: (laughs) Our, um... Uh, not to lift the kimono too much, but enough I, with we, the kimono. I think we are doing, uh, uh, we'll be covering some Bigfoots in uh, uh, an episode coming up here. Uh, but to your knowledge, do Bigfoots jump into trees?
1: So, first, if we are going to cover it, which I think is uh, under your jurisdiction, we're going to have to establish if it's Bigfoots, Big Feet, Bigfoot, but plural. I need to know.
0: Bigfoots. What's the difference between bigfoots and bigfoot, but plural?
1: Like oh, you mean the an esless plural? Like but yes. Uh, yes, like cannoli. Like moose. Sure, <coughs> I want the Italian one. Cannoli. Way, it, cannoli. I'm a stereotype Cannoli
0: is the uh, plural word.
1: Yes, cannolo is the singular. That's yeah. why. That's why I meant no canolo. s. Cannolis ain't a thing. Anyway. Uh, Gail Beatty's team showed News 12 photos and molds of large footprints and images of hairy figures in the trees as well as a eerie howling siren-like sound. What,
0: what do you mean images?
1: They were blurry photos. Okay. They were Bigfoot pictures so they were blurry photos of bushes with <laughs> something that was hairy behind yeah, them. Yeah. Um, and they played this pretty eerie sound of like this howl. This, like siren wailing howl um and they you all mean a siren it sounds like a siren but you could also tell that it's like an animal or even a person like it could have easily been a person that was doing it um and they all were purported to be evidence of a local man ape we'll be sure to follow the news and deliver you guys any more report reports of empire state squatches <laughs> That's it for the third episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ain't It Scary. And check out our website at ain'titscary.com. Please subscribe to the show and throw us a five-star review on iTunes, because we'll be forever grateful. See you next Tuesday.
0: Show created by Carrie Ferrante and Sean McCabe. Music by Kyle Ryan.
1: This has been a production of Longboy Media.
0: One of Scotland's most notorious unsolved murders. To think that someone could turn a cheese wire into a grot and take someone's life. The level of violence, the uncertainty and the randomness frightened people. She always thought the killer was going to come back after her. Society needs to find that killer. Who is the cheese wire killer? Listen to the Fool series now, wherever you get your podcasts.